0: Five, four, three, two, one. Lift
1: off at Falcon 9. Falcon Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the SpaceQ podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Don't Let Go Canada Coalition. For 60 years. Canada has been a space leader. We help build the International Space Station and land astronauts on the moon. Back on Earth, we leverage our space capabilities every day to push boundaries in medicine, communications, and environmental monitoring. The clear vision and commitment of previous governments helped drive this forward, but now our country faces a decision point and we need to act. Please visit don't let go Canada.ca and join the campaign to help us keep innovation, jobs, and our best and brightest in Canada. The universe needs more Canada. Don't let go, Canada. My guest this week is Stéphane Germain, CEO of GHG SA. Stefan is also a member of the Space Advisory Board, and he'll provide us a brief update on the Advisory Board's activities. Recently, GHGSat announced it had raised U.S. $10 million in a Series A2 financing round. The funds bring to $20 million GHGSat has raised to date, including funds from the Alberta and federal governments. It's also been over two years now that GHGSat's first satellite, Claire. Was launched. In that time, a lot has changed politically when talking about carbon taxes. What hasn't changed is the need to monitor global emissions. And this week, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued a dire warning. As you'll hear from Stefan, regardless of the political climate, monitoring global emissions by commercial companies like his isn't going away. In fact, the business case and businesses. In this space segment, are getting ready to take off. Welcome back, Stefan, to the SpaceQ podcast.
0: Thanks, Mark. Pleasure to be here.
1: The last time we spoke was just over a year ago, and you are actually my first repeat guest, so this is uh, great. Um, It gives us a chance to to catch up on on uh, what's been going on with the company in the last year since uh, uh, your last interview. But before we get to that, just a couple of Quick questions on the Space Advisory Board since you're a member. And that is, what's the status of the Space Advisory Board at the moment? And when was the last time you met with the minister?
0: Well, Space Advisory Board is still actively meeting and actively discussing issues both with the government and uh, with third parties uh, to better advise the minister on both the space strategy and. financing or funding from space going forward. So we're, we're definitely active and continuing in our discussions, albeit uh, definitely more uh, internal to the government at this point, um, as opposed to reaching out to um, the broader space community. And as far as when we met the minister, last met the minister, uh, I, I would say the minister staff we speak with on a regular basis. The minister himself probably about a year ago.
1: Okay. All right. So... Uh, with that uh, answered let's get on to GHG sat which is where you spend most of your time um, okay so I'm gonna probably start off with maybe the hardest question to answer and then after that it'll might seem simple uh, I'm sure a lot has happened within your company during uh, the last year so if you can pick something what's been the most significant change <laughs>
0: That is a hard question to answer. Um, I'd probably say the uh, generation of more and more samples and results from Claire, our demonstration satellite, has uh, provided more and more customers with first-hand examples of how measurements can help them, and that has, in turn, led to all kinds of other good things, uh, including our most recent investment, which we just announced publicly last Monday.
1: Okay. And that leads right into my next question, uh, which is you just announced your series a two funding of us, $10 million, bringing your total funding to date to us, $20 million. How are you going to spend that money?
0: <laughs> well, we're going to spend it on three things. The first is, um, more satellite and aircraft capacity. So we are building two satellites right now, um, GSGSAT-C1, which will launch in the first half of 2019, and GSGSAT-C2, which we plan to launch in the first half of 2020. In addition, we're building an aircraft sensor uh, that is going to be deployed for the first time in the summer of 2019. So there's lots going on technically uh, in building those. So that's the first way that we're spending the money. The second way is in accelerating our commercialization. And the third is in analytics. So let me address both of those. In commercialization, we we are hiring additional uh, staff, additional members of our team to uh, bring the message to all our potential customers out there. So uh, we're very excited to be participating in uh, more international trade shows and uh, being more present in, uh, in customer uh, uh, meetings and been really just being generally more out there with what we do. And on the analytics, this is actually really exciting. What We're, we're spending a lot of time now uh, developing machine learning, artificial intelligence algorithms that will allow us to be more efficient about how we do observations with our satellites and our aircraft sensors, and also provide just better insights for our customers.
1: So now you've answered about three of my questions <laughs> in one, which is great. <laughs> didn't, um, didn't mean to get out of you there. No, that's fine. Now, we'll, we'll, we're going to circle back to some of what you've already said. Um, but you did say one thing, two things that, that that got my attention right away, which is, okay. so the next satellite, uh, which is GHC-SAT-C1, uh, which is being built by SFL, right, Space uh, Flight Laboratory in Toronto, uh, that'll be launched right. in the first half of, of next year. So um, obviously, uh, and I say obviously, uh, you're taking the uh, lessons learned from Claire and you're applying that to um, C1, okay? Absolutely. Now, That's now, right. With C2, which you're saying is now going to launch in Q1, Q2, or the first half of 2020, I should say, Um, are you waiting on the build of that to see what results you get on C1 first before you actually go ahead and, and build that satellite?
0: No, we're actually going ahead as fast as we can on C2 because we see that the market opportunity is there staring us in the face right now. And we need to get the capacity up as fast as possible to serve that demand. So as much as I'd love to wait to see lessons learned from C-1, uh, it's more important to get the second satellite up there as fast as possible.
1: So, but you're still talking about waiting almost a, a year, potentially, between the launch of the two satellites. Why so long?
0: Well, the second satellite was linked to the new funding from our latest funding round. Ah, so okay. that was secured recently. And that's why you, there'll be an announcement shortly about the uh, payload supplier for that instrument before that for ghg c 2 And uh, you'll, you'll see that we're now putting everything in place contractually to get that second satellite built. But it's, it's the same design as C-1. So really, we're starting uh, sort of midway through the process because we're leveraging everything we're, we're, we've done on C-1.
1: Okay, now getting back to the analytics and and the artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, obviously, in the last year, you've had a lot of opportunity to go through data. How much of that time has been has been spent on uh, working on the analytics platform? And when was the decision made to to go and down the machine learning, the artificial intelligence uh, route?
0: We've been working on analytics f- since the beginning, uh, and and. So it's easy to get caught up in sort of um, new uh, sort of the, the exciting terminology of AI or machine learning, but the, the, the analytics, which is really adding value to the data that comes from the satellite has been there in our business plan from the start. We've been doing that from the start. So for example, uh, our satellite generates raw concentration data and most of our customers are interested in emission rates and quantified emission rates from sources. And that's a non-trivial process. So that, capability has been around right from the beginning. We've also been working on things like time averaging of multiple observations for quite a while. The um, AI portion or the the machine learning portion is, I'd say in the last year, we have now generated sufficient data that we have a a data set from which we can apply to which we can apply those kind of algorithms to get some really interesting insights.
1: And that machine learning artificial intelligence, if you will, Um, uh, products, or not products, but uh, algorithms, uh, are these being developed in-house, or are you using uh, something uh, that's already out there that's available in the cloud, like, you know, Amazon's web services, uh, uh, machine learning uh, tools? Uh,
0: We're trying to leverage as much as what's commercially available as possible. Certainly at an Amazon level or, you know, a typical web services type of level, we will use those tools where we can. That's because that's a good infrastructure on which to build. But the real value add is in custom algorithms that we develop here uh, because they're really unique where we're working with a data set that nobody else in the world has and allows us to generate these unique insights for our customers. So nobody really could have tailored their their algorithms directly to our data set, uh, other than ourselves.
1: All right. So, uh, in terms of the funding, you've raised a uh, $20 million, uh, to date so far. Um, are you closing any more funding in the near future? And are you actively seeking more funding at this time?
0: Well, we're actually uh, just about to put out an RFI for another, uh, 10 satellites and five aircraft sensors. And the reason for that is because uh, we see a a very large opportunity in the market, and we want to be there uh, ahead of anybody else. And we already are at least five years ahead of anybody else who wants to do this in the market. And we want to, you know, keep that lead and accelerate our business plan. So that RFI will in turn lead to a Series B, and uh, the timing for that is still, I'd say, fluid, but it's going to be sooner rather than later. So we're certainly not slowing down. We're we're accelerating.
1: Now, what is the difference between now and the last time we talked is that I don't believe we talked about aircraft sensors the last time you were on the show. So was that part of the existing business plan or is that an opportunity that came up and you said, hey, this is something we've got to seize upon?
0: It's a, a, a need from our customers. What we've heard, and we this is a, you know a relatively new market, we've heard from customers that they want to have a tiered capability where they love the idea of a satellite to be able to look at large areas at relatively low cost to detect large leaks, and that makes just a whole lot of sense and is what's driving a lot of our demand. However, there are some customers, for whom that's not enough. They need to also be able to detect smaller leaks. And from an aircraft, we can see much smaller leaks because, well, we're just a lot closer to the ground and our detection threshold is is a lot lower. We can collect more light and there's just a lot of variables that allow us to see smaller leaks. So the, the two together allow us to offer... Uh, to cover about 90% of the market need that some of our very specific market segments have. And uh, they then complement that with a third tier, which is ground measurements for the the really small leaks that we can't see with either the satellite or the aircraft. And that's what drove it. And there's a really significant demand for it. And that's why we want to address it head on with our own solution. And We think we'll have a a, a strong competitive advantage in having our own aircraft sensor because we want to leverage the same instrument and the same back-end tool chain and the same logistics as we, uh, and the same uh, sales channels as we do with the with the
1: satellite. Now, your first satellite, Claire, has been on orbit for about two years. What have you learned from the data that you didn't expect?
0: Well, we learned that uh, <laughs> you can make some pretty significant manufacturing errors. <laughs> so for for example uh you know the the system had uh, a lot more stray light than we were expecting, so that's light coming to the detector that is not wanted for our measurement uh, We've learned that uh, you know you can get very complicated ghosting paths, so that's that's reflected light internally reflected light inside the optical system and uh we've also learned that uh, radiation can be more significant than we thought um, on some very sensitive components. And so those three things together have really uh, been the heart of the lessons learned. And we've also learned a lot about um, our how to optimize our spectroscopy. And so that's that's uh, more on the positive side, it's learning and looking at the data and uh, how we can uh, better tune our instrument for the type of measurement that we're making. Uh, you know, We can add that to the list of lessons learned and how we're optimizing our next satellite to address each of those. So for us, it's, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey. We've, we've absolutely demonstrated the, the, the viability of the business, of the technology, and as we learn, we iterate. And that's one of the beautiful things about working in small satellites is you can iterate quickly and implement lessons learned iteratively and just get better every time you launch something new.
1: Now, how is Claire performing today?
0: Remarkably well. Uh, we we wanted at least one year of operation from Claire, and now we're well over two years. And uh, we are hoping we'll get three to five years to demonstrate the robustness of the system for what we expect it as a, a normal operating lifetime in our business case. So uh, to date, and, and still now, Claire is generating images every day and observations every day, and and still bringing new and interesting insights every day. Uh, We recently published an example of that on our website. It's uh, an example of a leak that was detected in Texas in the Permian Basin, which is a big shale play in Texas, and uh, that was taken very recently from Claire. So we're very pleased with Claire's performance, and we hope to have at least two or three more years of of good results uh, to overlap with our next one and possibly two satellites.
1: And C1 and C2 design life's, life, uh, span is three to five years?
0: That's right. We were always aiming for three to five years, and uh, hopefully we'll get more. But um, we'll be very happy with that range. All
1: right. Now, uh, getting back uh, to uh, the... C1 which is going to launch in the first half of next year. Um, I don't think I've seen anything publicly about this and you may not be able to or want to answer but have you identified uh, and contracted a launch provider?
0: We have and uh, we have not made that public yet. There should be details made public before the end of the year and hopefully a lot sooner than that. Um, And also if you're curious about some of the details that GSGSAT C1 um our friends at the Space Flight Lab just presented a paper at the IAC in Bremen this week um, that the details of which have been uh, provided to EO portal, and uh, that's a good source of information about our system.
1: That's good to know, and we'll uh, include a uh, link uh, when we post this uh, next week. Um, now. You started the company in part as a response to the cap-and-trade endeavor being put forward by the Quebec government in 2010. Now provincial governments across Canada are scrapping their plans, with Manitoba uh, surprisingly following uh, along this trend. Will any of this uh, affect your plans going forward?
0: Surprisingly not. Not. And then we've had the same um, question with regards to policies in the United States, given the current administration in the White House. There have been uh, significant moves away from methane regulation in shale gas plays, for example, in the United States. But what we found is that operators, and I'm talking about oil and gas in particular here, who are uh, driving about 50% of our market opportunity, oil and gas operators are really seeing the long game. They know that whether it's this administration or the next, um, they are going to have to reduce and manage and control their emissions and are investing in technologies now to do that. And we're proof of that in the announcement we made last Monday about uh, 13 of the world's largest oil and gas operators now being investors in GSGSAT.
1: Okay. Now, in the last year or so, have you updated your use cases for the technology that you've developed? there's some new use cases that you've come up with that you didn't think were out there.
0: We're and um, well, the fundamental, uh, the fundamental use cases we had in mind going into this are still absolutely valid. And we learn more about them and the details of them uh, on a regular basis. And so we're updating and iterating the use cases for our core markets. But yes, we are also finding new applications um, that can be commercial in nature or even uh, adjacent um, or government in nature. So let me go to uh, a complete adjacency just to to talk about one that's been kind of interesting to us for a while, but we haven't jumped into yet, which is monitoring um, sulfur dioxide from ships. So it's not a greenhouse gas. This is an air quality gas or a pollutant, Um, but uh, it's, increasing interest to the world's largest shipping operators to um, have measurements of their own ships and third-party ships to ensure that everybody's complying with new guidelines that have been published by the International Maritime Organization. So uh, we uh, are very interested in that business case. We think there's a a, a really uh, interesting business opportunity there and our instrument, our system, can be tuned to look at that uh, opportunity as well. But that remains on uh, on the drawing board for us. We're not quite there yet. And uh, maybe I've just given somebody else an idea to go look at.
1: <laughs> you had an early lead in this field. Are your competitors catching up in terms of funding and time to market?
0: Our competitors are all currently paper designs, um, But there's some very serious an interesting potential entrance. And I use that word deliberately entrance instead of competitors. Cause in fact, I think some of them are complementary to us. So let me get maybe more specific. Um, some of your listeners may have heard about methane sat, which is a satellite that was announced by the environmental defense fund. And that one will be looking at much larger areas than ours uh, at a much lower spatial resolution and will be complementary to ours. So, in fact, I don't see them as a competitor. I see them as a complement. And in fact, we collaborate with the Environmental De- Defense Fund. Um, another one is TROPOMI, which is uh, an instrument on Sentinel-5P, a European Space Agency satellite. And again, that one has a very large um, field of view and with large pixels that is complementary to ours. So they're not. I think they're they're other entrants and not so much competitors. Um, There are a few others that have expressed interest and that would be more direct competitors. But again, at this stage, um, they're just in the early steps of their funding. So uh, we're very fortunate to have at least a five-year lead and a growing lead on any of our potential satellite competitors at this point.
1: Okay. Um, Now, how is your product being uh, received outside of Canada and the U.S.?
0: So we've actually had some success outside of Canada and the U.S., notably in Australia, where we've been working with the Australian government to look at coal mine emissions. Uh, But that is one of the challenges we had and that we're looking looking forward to using our new funding to address, which is to expand our international marketing, uh, to bring our technology, our solution, our system to uh, areas like China, uh, like India, that have significant greenhouse gas emission challenges uh, and yet have a real need for our type of technology.
1: Okay, my last question, which is not related to our topic, um, but is one that I try to ask my guests now, is what books, fiction or nonfiction, are you reading now that you would recommend to our readers?
0: Hmm. Well, I tend to like to read for relaxation. (laughs) So I definitely read fiction as opposed to nonfiction. And uh, I I don't think I'd recommend any of the authors I read (laughs) to your listeners. It's really uh, more in the thriller genre to uh, uh, give me a chance to relax uh, on weekends and uh, um, at the end of the day.
1: Hey, I'm guilty of that too. Uh, I'm reading the uh, Cotton Malone series right now. If anybody, I'm sure some of my listeners know who Cotton Malone is.
0: (laughs) Oh, I've read every single one of those.
1: There you go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to thank Stefan for being a guest on my show again, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you in the future as things develop.
0: Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. and look forward to chatting again in the future.
1: Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceCube podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash spacecube. We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music, if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca, or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca, where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.